Welcome back to It's All Relative in our Daily Fantasy Edition. I'm your host, Megan, and I'm joined by my brother, Steve, and cousin, Brad. And since we're all Daily Fantasy players on DraftKings, we like to meet each week and go through our um, process and help make our important Daily Fantasy decisions. So we're going to walk through our weekly process with you all on this podcast. We're going to discuss our core plays, some tournament fades, pivots, and just basically general strategy. So let me introduce the family and fan speak team. Uh, first, my brother, Steve, um, he's the on-the-clock mastermind on fanspeak.com, um, but of course, also, we're here to talk about daily fantasy. So, Steve, how are you tonight, and how was your week six? Doing well. Uh, had a really strong week six. Almost had a uh, a real monster week. If I just had a few tweaks to the lineup, I was extremely heavy on Watson and Cousins. Um, had a lot of Julio. Um and uh, and Derrick Henry uh, had a lot of Trey Burton as well, which really yeah, helped with the pay down key. move at tight end. Um, and and then I, I was able to get to some of the better defenses. So I had a, I had a strong week overall. Um, in a lot of uh, big tournaments, was just missing you know a two v two from really going off some one v ones from from even a decent real decent uh, uh, four four to five figure type week. So it was good though. That's awesome. And you had uh, you did well in tiers, too, right? I know I'm trying to play a little bit more of the tiers game. I like Showdown. Um, obviously, I play mostly classic, but um, I've been trying to play more tiers. You did well there, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I um, I actually did well in tiers, Showdown, specifically that uh, um, Minnesota-Atlanta game, and then the full slate. So I did, I did well across the board. Um, again, nothing major, but a lot of good solid hits. That's awesome. Um, all right. Well, Brad um, is our cousin and also our uh, Fanspeak data guru. Um, Brad, how are you tonight? And how was your week six? I'm doing uh, quite great tonight. And my <laughs> week six was uh, pretty good. Um, I wish I played more. I was kind of busy this weekend, so I didn't really focus sure. on too, making too many lineups. But I avoided the, uh, the Madison and Davis letdowns. Um, and I was on Julio Jones, and I just didn't play enough Henry. Um, but overall, I still did well, so um, can't really complain about that, right? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And you, you know, you pointed out about Madison. Sometimes it's as much as picking, uh, excuse me, it's as much as avoiding the bad plays and the landmines as it is picking the good plays. And you know, avoiding stepping in that was a huge, huge one sure. to. Have a good week. So um, before we get into our podcast, we do have some programming notes for some slate notes. Um, a couple hours ago or a few hours ago, it appears that the um, it has been announced by the NFL that the Buccaneers Raiders game has been moved to Sunday afternoon. Obviously, there's some COVID concerns, so they didn't want it to be the Sunday night game. So the NFL moved the Seattle Arizona game to the Sunday night game. Um, the question for us is, as DFS players, DraftKings needs to let us know, um, is the Seattle-Arizona game still on the main slate, or will this just be like a showdown thing? So at this point, we assume it's usually, the Sunday night is usually not on the slate, so we assume it's not, but I think it's still up in the air because it's still um, showing that it's on the slate. So that is TBD, and um, if it is on the slate, I guess the, our general opinion on that game is we love it. 
We love the quarter, both quarterbacks, um, both Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. We love a lot of the receivers, obviously the stack with, um, uh, with Wilson and his receivers, Metcalf and Lockett, and obviously Hopkins and Christian Kirk with Murray. And then you could even play um, Kenyon Drake because, you know, his price is reasonable and he's still getting a decent workload as he showed Monday night. So obviously the, the, the Arizona Cardinals playing on Monday, their prices, you know, didn't go up. So that's a big question mark. We will see where that game stands and if it's on this slate or not. Um, but let's move on. Those are kind of our general thoughts in case that game um, is is still on the slate. If it's not, we're going to have to, I guess, just play it on showdown. So recap of week, week six, six um, you know, what went right, what went wrong. We talked about kind of avoiding some of those traps, needing kind of Derrick Henry. Um, Derrick Henry and Miles Gaskins seem to be the only running backs to really get there. So Steve, you, you had a great week. Were there any process mistakes or tweaks you'd make after week six though? Um, <clears throat> I, you know, I think probably just the biggest process mistake was uh, not considering I, I too avoided the, the Madison trap, but I, um, I did not get to Justin Jefferson near as much as I should have uh, for how much I loved that game and stacking that game. Um, so that was one. Um, I the other the other mistake that just hurt me was uh, relying too much for the uh, the Giants Washington game, um, believing that the the pieces there, uh, Slayton Ingram and McLaurin, were all guys that I was on, and none of them did enough for you. Um, they just didn't. The Giants didn't have to throw. And uh, McLaurin just didn't get the 100-yard bonus or a touchdown. Right. Um, Brad, I know you didn't play as much volume this week, but any process mistakes or things you'd want to tweak after week six? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's very similar to Steve's where I was able to avoid the Madison chalk um, and a little bit of the Mike Davis one. But, uh, again, I was on that, that game a lot, the Julio, Thielen, and Ridley um, and I, I did play Jefferson, but not nearly enough. Um, right. But I played a lot of a lot of Thielen more than I should have, regardless if he had a good game or not. Um, but then another thing is, I know David Montgomery was in this great spot and everything, mm -hmm. but it's also David Montgomery playing football, um, <laughs> and it's the Bears. Like, I feel like if they wanted to, like, their ideal game setup would be. If there's no play clock, they would run four plays and then, you know, just pack it up. And then at the very end of the game, kick a field goal to win, and then they'll win 3 nothing. Like, if that's even possible, that's what <laughs> we want to do. Um, they just don't want to play offense at all. So, um, yeah, that... That's a good way of summarizing it, yeah. I know that the, the matchup was great, so, like, it's not really necessarily a process mistake, but, like, right. it's still David Montgomery, so... That's what's so hard is is that whole matchup versus volume versus efficiency, you know, and, and factoring those all in, and then and then obviously factoring, you know, price and ownership. It, it, that was hard because you know he was chalk too, so that was tough. So I, I hear you there. Well, guys, now let's move on to week seven and talk about our favorite player stacks. Um, you know whether the. Seahawks Cardinals game is on the slate or not there are a lot of high total games um this week a lot of 
you know, matchups that are enticing. It's basically a lot of plays that look good. So I think that the, my personal opinion is that the um, challenge this week is going to be just finding that correct lineup construction because there's going to probably be so many good plays in a high scoring week. So um, with that said, Brad, um, what stacks are you um, looking at the most for week seven? Um, I think the number one stack I'm interested in, um, I think mainly because it might be a little bit lower owned, is the Carolina-New Orleans game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I feel like it's pretty concentrated in the sense that you're definitely starting Kamara. Um, the Panthers' defense allows the fourth most fantasy points to opposing running backs um, and is ranked 26th in DVOA against the rush. Um, and then the Saints also rank first in rushing success. Um, and then on top of that, if Michael Thomas doesn't play, um, that's just even more for Kamara. You know, whether he plays or not, I'm starting Kamara. Kamara. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I think you can bring it back um, with either Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore. They've both had tons of volume this year. Robbie definitely more so than DJ. So definitely leaning towards that side. But um, you can't really run on the Saints. And the Saints secondary is definitely the weak spot of that defense. Um, Now, as far as the quarterbacks, I don't really believe in Breeze really getting, having a ceiling game or even close to that. Um, Mm -hmm. the, The way the defense plays for the Panthers is a lot of, you know, play and keep everything in front of you, limit the big play, and then, um, you know, kind of the shorter passes. While that kind of plays into the whole New Orleans offense, it really limits upside, um, and you're you're banking on a ton of volume and then the right. touchdown going your way. Um, so I think that kind of stack of Bridgewater, who I think is going to have to throw at least 30 times, um, um, Kamara, and then bring it back with either Panthers receiver, I think is a, a nice little game stack that you can play. Okay. Um, Steve, who are your favorite uh, stacks this week? Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's a, a couple that <clears throat> are interesting. Um, one that is likely going to be popular um, or, or at least get talked about is uh, Matt Stafford and Kenny Galladay with bringing it back with one of the Falcons receivers. Sure. Um, I've not been a big fan of playing Lions this year because Matt Patricia has shown that he really <laughs> wants to run the football. Uh, Adrian Peterson has just seen way too much work um, uh, for a team that hasn't been up that much in this game. Even if they're up, it, it's likely going to be a shootout type. Uh, so this is the week, though. Uh, Atlanta's run defense is much better than the pass defense, and their pass defense is uh, actually one of the worst in the league. Um, pretty much everyone is, every team is putting up at least one, if not two, big, big uh, receiving weeks against them. Um, so it, it's not hard to see how Galladay could, could really be the guy this week. Uh, assuming his volume goes up and Stafford's volume goes up, you could be looking at a situation where Stafford's putting up uh, 330 and, and three touchdowns. So um, the other game that I'd point to that's stackable that doesn't necessarily look great on paper, well, there's a couple of those, um, but is the uh, Joe Burrow in the Bengals um, versus the Browns bring, have Kareem Hunt on one side and then Burrow and one of his receivers on the other. 
Burrow's best fantasy game of the year so far came in their week two matchup. Uh, and, you know, I think there's a strong case to be made that he could do the same thing here. Um, it, it's a little ugly, but it's it saves a lot of money if you want to get some of the big pieces of other games. The most popular stack, I think, is going to be Deshaun Watson. Uh, and my favorite is going to be Deshaun Watson, one of his receivers. I like Cooks more, given Fuller's tougher matchup, and then bringing it back with uh, Aaron Jones. Uh, you sure. could do the Packers passing side as well. Um, but I think that costs a little bit more and game script wise, they're likely to be ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, going into, um, actually before we started talking, that was one of my favorite games, but I think in talking it through, while I still like the Texans, yeah, Texans Packers game, you know, there are so many other games I'm interested in too. So that's what I mean. It's just going to be hard figuring out the lineup construction, but now let's talk about, um, our core plays at each position and start with running back. Um, Brad, name me your favorite, um, running back or your running back core and, you know, at a couple of different price points. Yeah. So building right off of, uh, what Steve is talking about. Um, my number one running back or one of the running backs I'm really interested in is Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Um, the last time these two teams played, Kareem had 24 DK points, um, and that was with Chubb playing as well. Now that Chubb mm-hmm. is injured, um, you know, 24 points almost seems like a floor. Um, I know that's not exactly the case, but um, <laughs> the Bengals are 29th in yards per carry allowed. Um, they have the second highest rate of explosive runs allowed. Um, you know, they're just super vulnerable on the on the ground. Um, you know, there was a report, if I remember correctly, that two of their defensive linemen sat out pra- of practice, almost on like a strike. I, I heard that, yeah. Yeah, um, so that definitely bodes well for... Kareem Hunt, I would say. Sure. Um, so, I mean, things are just kind of lining up. I, I also like the game as a whole. So, if, you know, points are scored and Cleveland's scoring a lot, chances are it's on the ground and through Kareem Hunt. Okay. Um, for someone lower, this is definitely based on um, a little bit of last week and how his production was, but Justin Jackson, I think, is a, a good play. Um, even if they split the workload between him and Joshua Kelly. I think the Jags defense is just bad enough to where both of them will be fine, especially at the price points. Right. Um, with 15 carries and five catches last week, you know that's that's really good for 4,900. Um, you know you don't have to be terribly efficient to make up that price. Um, but I mean that workload is you don't even get that at some of these higher priced guys. Um, and then, like I said, the Jags give up the third most um, points to running backs. Um, and then they're also ranked 22nd in DVOA on the ground and actually last in the air. Um, so I, I just think I think that the Chargers are going to be up. I think they're going to be running. And I don't see how at that price point he doesn't at least, you know, get three times his value. Absolutely. We saw what the Lions running backs did last week. So. Right. Um, all right, Steve, who are your core running back plays? Give me a couple different price points. Uh, well, the free square at the top, uh, not really free because he's expensive as Alvin Kamara. <laughs> um, Carolina has just been awful against the run this year. Even even David Montgomery, uh, as, as Brad mentioned, he played too much from last week, but Montgomery nearly had 100 yards and, um, you know, four or five catches. 
we're talking about Alvin Kamara here. Um, if for some reason Michael Thomas is out, that just makes him even better. Even if Thomas plays, like Kamara is, is how they're going to beat Carolina. Um, I mentioned it a little already. Aaron Jones is another <clears throat> high running back. I mean, that's a situation where they do run multiple running backs, and it very well could be a Rodgers, uh, Devontae Adams scheme. But again, Houston, we just saw what Derrick Henry did to them. We've seen multiple running backs go for 100 yards and tear them up. Uh, Aaron Jones is just a talented player who scores a lot of touchdowns. Um, yeah, you know, this could be the game that he puts up another 40-point game like he did against the Lions early in the year. Uh, another higher price guy would be James Conner. He's gotten 100 yards uh, in three of his last four games. He's getting touchdowns, so he's getting the goal line work when Chase Claypool isn't. And uh, his passing work is not as set as it used to be. But, you know, there's probably enough there to think mid-20, mid-to-high-20 fantasy points is pretty likely in this type of matchup where they're probably ahead. Tennessee's defense has not been great, very inconsistent. uh, So I could see him having another good game. Um, Going to the mid-tier, now that it's on the slate, I think Ronald Jones is very much in play. Uh, You know, Vegas, excuse me, has not been great against the run. Jones has three straight games over 100 yards. Um, His passing work has fluctuated a lot. Fournette's probably going to be back a little bit more, but uh, Jones is the hot hand. And just with the way he's run these last three, four games, I have a tough time believing that they would get away from them in any significant way. Um, I like some of the guys that Brad mentioned as well. And uh, just one Cheap guy I will point to uh, will probably be um, J.D. McKissick for the Washington football team. Uh, we saw what what happened with Kenyon Drake against Dallas. We've seen a number of backs against Dallas put up some decent games. Um, you know, McKissick, I don't think there's a super high ceiling. He is splitting some work with Antonio Gibson, but he does have the lead work. He's getting more targets. He's getting more carries. He's also generally run better uh, than Gibson. Um, though nobody's running that efficiently behind the Washington offensive line. But again, Dallas's defense is just so, so, so bad. So um, <laughs> we will see if that pays off. But that is one other cheap way to go um, if if you need some savings. I think yeah. I think ahead, another Mark. thing to note is uh, if Mixon is out, Gio Bernard is also in play. Um, yes. But that's, yeah, a, that's, that's a big you mention that too. Right. For sure. <laughs> But he has, uh, Mixon has missed the last two practices, I believe, right? I believe, I believe he has not practiced the last two days. So obviously we need to pay attention to tomorrow's practice report. Yeah. Um, but that yeah. is absolutely in play. Um, all right, guys, now let's talk about wide receiver. Um, Brad, who are your core plays at wide receiver? There's a lot of them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, you know, even without the, Arizona Seattle game. Um, you mean you just look at the top? Um, you look at Devontae Adams, he looks great. Um, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, I think either one is fine. Because um, I think, I do think Detroit will be able to score and keep up with Atlanta. Um, you know, uh, my favorite towards the top there, I know it's not like the super top, but is Kenny Galladay. Um, his biggest problem is that he just doesn't get the volume that other top receivers do. Um, But he's been pretty good with it. He either scores a touchdown or gets over 100 yards. I mean, his worst game was 16 points um, 
fantasy points at least. And uh, I mean, that's that's not going to win you a tournament, but. You know, if that's your worst game, that's not bad, right? He just hasn't had right. the the hundred yards, two touchdowns type of game, and I think this matchup is the best one he's going to have all year to do that. And you've um, been so, calling it for Galladay for what the last few weeks here, so yeah, if he finally I mean, if gets a stealing calling, game. Yeah, if I just keep calling, he'll <laughs> I'll be right at least once. Um, and if you win a lot of money, I say get a Kenny Galladay jersey <clears throat> right on Thanksgiving Day. You know. Yeah, maybe no. <laughs> Uh, I don't think I'll be buying any Detroit Lions uh, unless maybe like Sam Howe gets there. But even then, I, I... that's not the Carolina blue you wear. I understand exactly. exactly. Um, I get it. But I I don't see a lot of places where um, you can necessarily go wrong because like even Diggs, I, the game script I don't think is going to be in his best interest. But, you know, they still got a score to be ahead, and why not Diggs, right? He gets clearly right. the most targets on the team. Um, he's, he scores not as much as you'd like, but, um, I mean, three touchdowns in six games isn't bad for a wide receiver. Um, but the only one at the top that I'm really not interested in is Michael Thomas, playing or not. Um, I just don't see a ceiling game from him this week, and I don't think he's... Going to be playing, you know, ninety plus percent of the snaps. Um, someone at the low end. Um, I know I kind of literally just talked about everyone at the high end, so I, I do apologize <laughs> for that. But um, I will just re- recap, or not recap, but uh, um, finish it up with either um, Higgins or Boyd from the Cleveland Cincinnati game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think are both good plays. I personally like Boyd more. Um, I know that Higgins is, his, um, workload has increased recently, but with the matchup against slot receivers since, uh, Cleveland has not fared well against them. Um, and that's the way to beat them through the air for sure. Um, so I like either one of those, but definitely more Tyler Boyd. Okay. Well, Steve, I know Brad mentioned all the top receivers. No, I'm just kidding. Um, what are, um, and again, this is, again, there's just a lot of good plays. I think we're looking at a high-scoring week. So who are your favorite receiver plays at a couple of different price points? Yeah, at the top, I mean, I mean I'm very high on Galladay just because I'm assuming mm-hmm. that um, the pass volume goes up, like I mentioned when we talked about quarterbacks. I would say I my toughest thing is deciding which Atlanta receiver and which Dallas receiver to play. So I think those are the decisions that are going to, what comes down to winning a slate or not. Um, Both teams could potentially have two uh, guys produce well enough. And if that's Atlanta, you're fine because they really only throw to two guys. Both, both Jones and Ridley should expect 10 plus targets and uh, hopefully both get over the bonus and uh, a touchdown. So you might be okay there with Dallas. It's a little bit more tricky. They have three main receivers. They have Dalton Schultz, they have Zeke Elliott, and then they have their backup receivers who sometimes get involved as well. So um, a bit trickier there, uh, but I think that's where it boils down to um, who I like of those. Uh, I think I'm going to go back to the Julio. Well, I like Ridley and I'll definitely play a lot of him, but I think Julio could, do very well in this matchup. Uh, I just think his veteran um, ability, I don't see some of Detroit's young corners being able to match up on him. And when it comes to Dallas, 
Cooper is the easy play, but I think this could be the C.D. Lamb breakout game. Uh, he's come close. He had two touchdowns a couple weeks ago. He's gotten, um, you know, 10-plus targets the last couple weeks. But this could be the week where it all comes together. Uh, we know that Dallas is going to have to throw pretty much a minimum of 40 times a game. Uh, and like last week, that could go up to 50 times. So when they're throwing that much, yes, I know their offensive line is atrocious, and Washington does have a good defensive line, and perhaps that's going to be a good fantasy defense. But when you're throwing 50 times, if you're going to drop back 50, 55, 60 times, like we saw with Dallas, even if he gets sacked seven times, you still might put up a decent enough fantasy points. I mean, we saw in that Vikings game, um, Kirk Cousins had a terrible real life game in terms of three interceptions, but still got there and still had Justin Jefferson as one of the top fantasy plays of the week simply because of volume. Um, we could see the exact same thing in this type of matchup. Well, I do have one question uh, about Dallas specifically, because I'm certainly considering them knowing them to, to knowing to target um, skill players against Washington. But I, you know, in, in the case of watching last week's game, the giants and Washington, you know, two bad offensive lines, a lot of dumb, dumb buffs, as I like to say, um, are you concerned about that? Obviously, Andy Dalton got crushed on Monday night against Arizona. Are you worried that, you know, it's so bad that, you know, it's going to be hard for somebody to get there? Because really, for the Giants last week, it was, you know, Slayton got a touchdown, but he didn't smash or anything. So yeah. are you of any of those concerns, like that it could just be ugly, like what we watched last week? Uh, I mean, there there is definitely a concern when you're relying on bad teams to do good things. There, there's <laughs> That's always a good way that to say concern. It. Um, I, I think when it comes to Dallas, though, we know that the opportunities are going to be there. They're not as efficient as they obviously would be with Prescott. Uh, but also because Prescott's not scrambling, Dalton's just going to have to throw more. Um, mm-hmm. That's a good point. And, and if Washington does get ahead, which this is the week that it's possible. Um, and I do like Terry McLaurin right. from that side of the game. Uh, but, you know, again, if you're throwing 50 times, somebody's paying off. I, you know, I know nobody totally got there for Dallas last week. I mean, Cooper uh, and Lamb both had decent games, but in a full slate, you wouldn't necessarily need them. Right. Uh, but I, I do think somebody will. And, and we've seen Washington. They've been really bad at covering tight ends. Uh, multiple receivers have broken off big plays against them. Um, a lot of teams just haven't had to keep their foot on the gas because they've gotten up early um, or for whatever reason. This is the week, though, where Washington could actually put up some points. This is a mini shootout or maybe Washington's ahead, in which case Dallas is fine. If Dallas really gets a, jumps out early, then I do think they're going to salt away the game with Elliott and, and uh, Tony Pollard probably getting a little bit more of a workload. But... Um, you know, there, there's some risk here. I do think Gallup is risky because he is a, a deeper target guy. And like you said, mm-hmm. the O-line just can't kind of maintain protection for that long. So I think guys like Cooper and Lamb, who catch a lot of quick quick hitters um, <clears throat> as part of their repertoire, could could be fine. And uh, Dalton Schultz absolutely is in play at tight end. We'll get to that in a, in a, in a little bit. So those are the, the pieces I'm looking at. 
Sure. Well, let's jump right to tight end. And I know we like Dalton Schultz because Washington forgets to cover tight ends. But um, Brad, what other tight ends do you like this week? So I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I kind of have a theme here with my players that I'm suggesting. Um, <laughs> they're they're either from the Cincinnati Cleveland game or they're Chargers. Um, so that, <laughs> that's fine. That, I, that I, comes, I think that's a decent strategy. And it continues with my tight ends. Um, I like um, Hunter Henry. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, on the year averaging just under seven targets and over four receptions and at least you know around fifty yards which is pretty good for Titans, honestly, this year. Um, but what kind of helps him stick out a little bit more is that uh, the Jags rank last in past DVOA, and they give up a decent amount of points to the opposing fantasy Titans, or fantasy points to Titans. Um, and, and his workload, Henry's, has been consistent, and you know I don't see that changing this week. And then going back to the uh, Cleveland-Cincinnati game, uh, Austin <laughs> Hooper, um, he's a, had at least five catches and 10 fantasy points in the last three games. Granted, that's not great for winning a tournament, but when it comes to tight ends, it's definitely more not getting a zero. Um, <laughs> but also in the last couple games, he has a team-high 25% target share. Um, oh, and wow. I think that that's what you are looking for. Um especially when it, you can get that at a tight end position. Um, but then also the Bengals give up also, you know, they're one of the worst guarding the tight ends um, in terms of fantasy points per game. Yeah, I didn't realize his, his um, target share. That, that, is, that is impressive and something I need to consider more. Steve, um, besides Dalton Schultz, and you can talk about him more if you want, what other tight ends do you like? So at the higher end, um, I think TJ Hawkinson, he is priced a little higher than you'd want. Uh, but I, again, this is a, a matchup that just makes sense. Um, if we are assuming that Matt Stafford throws 40 times this game, 45 times, if we're really lucky, then Hawkinson's four to six targets could be eight to 10. And then he probably is paying off for you. He's a very talented player. He just doesn't get the targets. Um, you know, he's got three receiving touchdowns on just 17 receptions. Imagine if he was getting, uh, you know, more respectable volume, uh, like a Hunter Henry, like, uh, you know, even like a Dalton Schultz. Um, so, um, Dalton Schultz, I think is a, a play that just makes a lot of sense. Washington has been terrible against the tight end this year. Uh, Evan Ingram had a big catch early in the game. They really didn't go back to him much, but that game, Daniel Jones only threw for less than 200 yards. That's likely not the case here. Uh, I think we are expecting Andy Dalton to be 300 plus for sure. So in which case, uh, Schultz is very much in play. Um, I think Eric Ebron is another tight end. It's a higher scoring game. Um, you know, they, they have a lot of weapons, so it's tough to predict for Pittsburgh. But you... At least here, you're playing a talented quarterback, a talented offense, an offense that's projected to score about 30 points. Um, you know, if he gets a touchdown, you're, you're feeling good. Um, there's not much beyond that. I do think the one cheap option is deciding who's going to replace uh, Robert Tanyan for the Packers. Is it going to be Jay Sternberger? Is it going to be Mercedes Lewis? They're both minimum 2,500. Again, another high total, good quarterback. 
it's not going to take much for one of them to um, to to pop up on some winning lineups this week. Um, I was wondering if someone was going to mention the Packers tight ends. I do love those minimum um, price tight ends because as long as they don't get you a zero, and even I remember I cashed in the week that Troutman got me a zero. Um, so. Um, all right, guys. Well, now let's talk about um, our our players that we're kind of looking to kind of go underweight on, um, or maybe you know take some dark plays um, based on ownership. And I, <laughs> I know Brad just asked me, "Do you have the ownership update?" And I did not send the ownership like I typically do. So um, I know that we're kind of you know shooting shooting uh, in the dark a little bit on this, but I know we've kind of heard who might be uh, a little chalkier. So, so Brad, are there some guys that you're looking to kind of go underweight on? I'll just put it that way. Go underweight on. Um, personally, I think, I don't know how chalky this is, but I think avoiding the Buffalo offensive players in general, um, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to be overweight on, or underweight on. Sure. Um, I just, I just don't think it, is going to take a lot for them to start salting the game away or, you know, really just kind of running the clock out. Um, you know, in the first week, the Jets, you know, kept it somewhat competitive to where they actually had to try. Um, I just don't see that happening again. And, you know, Josh Allen at that price tag and Diggs is, you know, still quite pricey. It's expensive, um, yeah. Yeah, I just don't see it happening, especially if um, Crowder doesn't play. There's some reports that he didn't practice, um, and he's questionable this week. So the one player that you could use it to bring back um, <laughs> might not even play. So I, I'm kind of just avoiding that whole game. Um, you know, if someone wins a million dollars by stacking Adam or not Adams, uh, Allen and Diggs, good for them. You know, I'll miss <laughs> out. So. Um, and I know you mentioned um, that you're basically fading Michael Thomas, which I think we're kind of mm-hmm. all in agreement with. So, yeah. um, Steve, who are some players you're looking to go underweight or on or fade? Um, yeah, no, I, I think uh, Brad made a good point about that that Bill situation. Um, a couple guys I'm going to be underweight on, uh, and again, we're going to see ownership change depending on what happens to this Arizona game. Yeah, um, I am not going to go really to Mike Davis. Uh, New Orleans has been very good stopping the run, so maybe Davis gets there solely through the air. But at 6,600, you kind of are expecting somewhat of a rushing floor, and I just don't know if they'll have it this week. Um, you know, Zeke Elliott's price at the top, uh, he's projected to be pretty high-owned. Um, look, he could, and if Dallas gets ahead, uh, Elliott's going to get a lot, a lot of work especially to make up for his multiple fumbles on Monday night. Uh, but I just, I would rather touch the the passing elements of this game uh, who are all <clears throat> end up lower priced and um, just seem more likely to have really strong volume. Mm-hmm. At, yeah. wide, at, at wide receiver, um, I am going to be very underweight on Devontae Adams. Um, this is a bit of a dangerous one, but... <laughs> You know, Rogers Adams stacks are extremely expensive. Trying to go Adams just on his own. If so, I think I'd rather 
just go with one of the Atlanta guys. Go with um, you know some of these other higher priced receivers uh, like Galladay. Um, if you know if somehow the uh, that Seattle game is on the slate, those guys. Um, but uh, you know Adams, I just think it's going to be much more on the ground in this game. So I'm going to make that stand and go underweight on Adams and hope that helps differentiate my lineups. All right, now let's talk about some um, kind of trying to find a couple lower-owned tournament plays. And, um, you know, I know we don't know exact ownership yet, and ownership is going to change based on, you know, the different games on the slate. But, Brad, what are what are some guys that people are not talking up this week that you, you might be a little more interested in? I mean, I think some of those Cleveland – well, I think people are talking about Hunt, but I definitely haven't <clears> heard <throat> about Hooper, so – we already mentioned yeah. a couple, but yeah, that that game in particular, I think, is um, going to be lower owned, especially if I mean, it all does depend on um, if the Seattle game is still on, because I think yeah. with that game there, people are going to gravitate towards right. Um, but with it off, I think a lot more people will start looking for you know Tyler Boyd at fifty four hundred and Hooper at four thousand. You know, I think that game is pretty good right now, um, subject to change, but also picking back off Steve, and I mentioned this this uh, this game earlier, Kamara, uh, running back with Bridgewater, Anderson, you don't even have to have Bridgewater, but he's a decent cheap QB to have. Um, I think those are two games where you can game stack with a cheap QB and then fit in some higher price guys elsewhere. Um, but I think another spot is um, the Chiefs in general are going to be low owned it's granted it's not a game where you expect them to need to score 30 plus points mm-hmm. um but i think mahomes you know he obviously has the potential to score 40 plus um just the way he is i think edward Hilaire is underpriced for this week at this le- at the very least um whether bell plays or not i think he's not i think edward Hilaire is going to get a majority of the work enough to pay off at 6-1. You know, I don't think Bell's really going to get a lot of play time, and it'll be very kind of just getting up to speed with the offense. Um, I agree. On top of that as well, same Chiefs uh, game. I'm at wide receiver Tyreek Kills at 6,400. He's had one bad game, which was on Monday, Mm -hmm. and that was a rainy game, and no pass catcher had a great game. Right. So, I mean, you kind of almost excuse that a little bit. But, um, you know, outside of that, he's done – he's been very consistent. He hasn't quite had that, you know, boom game yet. But maybe it's now. You never know with a player like him. Absolutely. He's definitely always a a tournament ceiling, you know, potential play. And, I mean, I think he's going to be super low owned this week. So, I think that's a great call. Um, Steve, what are some low owned tournament plays you're looking at this week? Yeah, so um, a couple that really stand out to me from these early ownership projections. At running back, James Conner is projected under 5% owned. Uh, again, that could change a little bit with how these new game, you know, the games are um, swapped a little bit. But Connor, I mentioned him before, touchdown each of the last four weeks, 100 yards in three of those four weeks, um, over 20 DK points in, in those three weeks. 
and and 15 in the in the week where he didn't get 100 yards. So you're talking about a good floor, a decent ceiling uh, in a game that Tennessee's not been good against the run. I mean, we saw what Dalvin Cook did against them a couple weeks ago. Uh, they're they're allowing 5.1 yards per carry. Um, James Conner has been absolutely extremely efficient uh, in these three games where he went over 100 yards, averaging over five yards a carry in all three of them, uh, six yards in two of those games. So um, this just looks to really match up well um, for for the running back. Uh, the other one is the other one I mentioned earlier, J.D. McKissick. People are going to want to play Antonio Gibson. McKissick will probably be 1% owned or 0.1% owned. Um, <laughs> and he probably has a good floor and um, maybe, you know, Gibson is more talented and, and could break off a big one. But I, I think if you're looking for a cheap running back, McKissick could get to 20 points this week. And at his price and his ownership, that could be the play. Uh, and then just because he's added to the slate late, Ronald Jones, mm-hmm. uh, I don't expect him to be owned. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, who knows how he'll be owned. Uh, but I, I really like that matchup at receiver. <clears throat> a couple that I would point to um, that, you know, that I think are, are worth taking a shot on um, is Terry McLaurin is considered not owned on, uh, on some sites, but other sites have him really highly owned. I think yeah. he ends up highly owned, so I'm not going to yeah. point to that. Um, but, uh, as Brad mentioned, the two Cincinnati receivers make a lot of sense. I think DJ Moore, uh, Brad talked about um, Robbie Anderson, and I really like Robbie Anderson, but I think Moore has almost as good of a play, and he's probably not going to get the ownership that Anderson's going to get. So I like him as kind of a leverage pivot there. Um, outside of that, I, I think uh, Brandon Cooks isn't getting early projected ownership. Mike Williams isn't getting really good early projected ownership. I think both are in really good spots. Sure. Um, so I'm I'm looking to play one of them um, to kind of round up my lineups for sure. Okay. Um, all right, guys. Well, any uh, before we sign off here, Brad, any closing thoughts for week seven? Um, no, just make sure you guys are paying attention to any <laughs> last minute uh, injury news or even COVID related news to be on top of who to play and who to make sure you avoid. Absolutely. Steve, what are your closing thoughts for week seven here? Yeah, no, I think, I think it's going to boil down to, um, like we talked about a lot of these games, just making the right stands, making the right side. If you believe Devontae Adams is play, play Devontae Adams. But uh, if you believe Aaron Jones is play, go, go that route. Same with a lot of these games that we talked about, uh, because, you know, it's rare that all these guys go off. Um, so just make, you know, make the right stands and, um, you know, just kind of build your lineups around that stand. Don't, don't necessarily hedge too much, uh, unless you're playing a a high, high number of lineups. (laughs) Right. Sure. Um, all right, guys. Well, another fun, um, breakdown and, and certainly helps my process. So thank you all for joining our um, weekly podcast and, and listening to the week seven edition. Good luck this week and stay safe out there and we'll see you next time.